and welcome to the Business and Pleasure podcast, the show that discusses what it's really like to be a digital nomad. We talk about the ups and the downs, the lessons learned, and the big discussion about whether you can really have it all. Today, we're chatting to Chris Sierra, or you might know him as the Nomad Accommodation Guy. Chris founded Remote Base, a monthly newsletter that shares great accommodation deals with digital nomad and remote workers. Chris has been a digital nomad for six years. So he's basically a veteran now and we have lots to get into. So let's get started. Welcome to the show, Chris. We're super excited to have you. Hello. hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's going to be good. I'm excited for this Thank one. Thank you. Amazing. So how did your digital nomad lifestyle begin and how long have you been a digital nomad for? My nomadic journey started in 2018. For, um, I'd kind of experimented a little bit in the year before that so from 2017 but the first time I was like full-time nomad like gave up the lease on the apartment and all of that stuff uh, that was 2018 um and I got started kind of by accident because I always really liked traveling but I kind of expected that I wouldn't ever be able to have a job that I would I would be able to travel alongside you know unless I went and worked Mm -hmm. in travel or went and worked like in a bar in a in a resort location or something like that um to pursuing a career and then ended by kind of by accident working at a company that had a super progressive view on organizational culture and organizational hierarchy and they had a policy that meant i could work from anywhere at any time without telling anyone anything um (laughs) as long as it didn't affect business they were they were completely Mm -hmm. completely happy so that was it. That was the that was the point when I realized maybe if I can work I that's how I started. I was working like working from an apartment in London when the office was in London and then using that flexibility to work from my parents' place or family and friends' places around the UK. And then beyond that, it was like, okay, a weekend trip to um a weekend trip to Spain, but we just extend it for a few days because maybe the flights are cheaper on Tuesday. So you fly Tuesday, you yeah. work Wednesday, Thursday, and then you have Friday off and, and, and you hang out with your pals. And then that just kind of snowballed from there into a two-week trip, a three-week trip, a one-month trip, um, and so on. It sounds like a gradual journey. You started dipping your toe and then you're like, mm, this is sort of tickling my fancy a bit. I want to extend and explore more, get into it and see what worked and what didn't work. Yeah, I don't know, like, how did how does this compare to, to your story? Because I think that a lot, like, why here now is a lot of people talking about this, like, giant leap of faith where it's like, I sold everything um, and and, and, <laughs> and then I became a digital nomad. And I think that, that makes yeah. it sound really scary. Some people, it's great, like, um, like they need it to be scary. Um, but I'm conscious that, yeah. like, I don't want to frighten people away, you know, like, that it's not, it doesn't have to be scary if you don't want it to be, you can do it. You can do it slowly and steadily, and, and if that works for you, then then do that. I think you're a you're a like leap of faith nomad. Is that right? yeah, yeah? That's me. <laughs> I was definitely that one who was sort of like, oh, why not just do it? Because I think I'm just that type of person. If I'm not sort of just thrown into something, I'm not really going to do it, or I'm not really going to be interested. I sort of just have to go full force and then hope it works out. Luckily, it's worked out so far, which is great. But I think that's a good point as well. It 
And when you hear those stories, you're like, oh God, so I have to like sell my house and get rid of this and get rid of this to be a digital nomad. But really, it doesn't have to be like that at all. It can be whatever it needs to be for you. It can be dipping your toe in. It can be selling everything. It's completely down to the person. Yeah, I think I think that's important. I like to, to there is no right. Yeah. You do hear a lot about these stories where it's God oh, just I went wild and became a digital nomad. I don't know if glamorizes is the right word for it, but it sort of makes it this amazing I guess it is glamorizes. It makes it this big thing and it's like, oh wow. But yeah, it's it doesn't mean that's the right thing to do. It it's down to the person. Part of you maybe doesn't know. Like I, I, when you live, if you live this lifestyle, even for five minutes, you really quickly figure out like more about how you operate. So yeah, it's, it's a bit chicken and egg. Like how do you really know what's right for you until you do it? You might, some people, yeah. some people don't have, you know, if, if you don't have the level of awareness immediately to say like, okay, yeah, like it's going to suit me to go full throttle or it's going to suit me to do, to do it steadily. Then you kind of have to pick one and do it. Like, of course, you have to. Like, if you don't do it, then you don't get to be a digital nomad. So doing it either way is going to be better than not doing it. And with that, so you started dipping your toe and you it grew from there, essentially. What did you learn along the way in the, the beginning of your digital nomad journey? Because for me, like when I first started, that was like all of the big learnings, especially leap of faith kind of vibe. It was all sort of coming at me very quick. But what were the big learnings for you in that early stage? Mm. This will, I think this is, this is different to the different, like what I call subgenres of digital nomadism. Mm -hmm. So at the time I was working, I was working for a company. I was working there full time. It's it's different if you are working for yourself or if you're a freelancer or something like that. But for me, probably one of the biggest things was like communicating with my team. So, and I think probably that, you know, I mean, this will overlap if you're a freelancer or if you run your own business, it's all like communication, um, communication focused, mm-hmm. managing time zones, um, proving to people that I wasn't like ghosting the company or, or like that I wasn't going to not deliver stuff. Um, cause I had like, I had a, a team internally and then I was, I also had, uh, facing portions of, of what I was doing. So really managing expectations and making sure that people knew that I was still there and I was still delivering. And this, to be honest, a lot of my like transition, uh, the transition period for me, um, was about testing that and about not, te- not testing mm-hmm. it for myself, but validating to other people that when I'm not there, it doesn't mean I'm not there. Like when I'm not there, I'm, I'm still a hundred percent that once your team knows that, or once your clients know that, I think that makes it a lot it makes it a lot easier for you to go further or stay longer or whatever else, whatever else it is. Um, and since then, like now I, now I work for myself and it's completely different because I don't have any, uh, time constraints necessarily. Like if there is, it's because, and yeah. that's a lot more, it's obviously a lot more, but, and I, I like knowing that when I need, when I need it, I've got that like muscle that I've built over that time where I have had to be super tight with communication because it's like anything like communication I think is a bit like a muscle right like you, you don't yeah no one becomes a a 100% effective 
articulate communicator and you can't sell all of your stuff to be a digital nomad and then overnight become a, a legendary communicator. Um, have to build it over time. Yeah. <laughs> so having built some of that up previously, I think, I think that was a big learning, like learning how to communicate more effectively um, and be more aware of myself and how I'm showing up. Yeah, it's a skill, isn't it? Really, it's something that you have to keep working at to improve and it changes depending who you're talking to and how they communicate and everything like that. It's something that you have to keep on working at. And when you worked at the company, did you find that there were any other issues with the communication or people understanding that you were traveling and working like on a time difference? Yeah, I think there probably was. Um, and it just, I kind of made it not my problem. Um, yeah. It was kind of, and this was another big learning, right? Like I can't be responsible for how other people feel about me not being. Mm. So there was definitely, I would say there was some delineation. It was like some people get it and they know that I'm still there and they still have, like, they still trust me and everything else. And maybe they also are like a quality communicator. So they and I can interface and communicate really effectively or good. And then uh, another segment where it's like, maybe they understand it or they don't, they don't doubt that you're there or they don't doubt your ability to deliver, but maybe their communication isn't, isn't as effective as you would want it to be in a remote environment because, you know, Mm. I I guess from, by today's labels, essentially I was working in a hybrid workspace. So like a bunch of people were in an office and me and a few other people were, were remote. So maybe like between five and 10% of the team. So it's not like a massive amount, it's like with the vast majority still being in office, um, it meant that a lot of yeah. office-based habits and, and yeah, communication was pursued. Mm. And so that meant that occasionally you would be, you know, you'd be interfacing with somebody who an in-person communicate. And it, it, that's very different, obviously, to, to, to doing things remotely. So. Yeah, I think that was a big learning for me, learning that there's only so much you can do to go further when having those kind of interactions. And then it comes to a point where you can't be responsible for somebody else's level of communication. You can only, you can just do like everybody in any, in any case. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's a, it is a great learning. And I think it is one of those ones that you sort of, again, like a lot of things, you just sort of figure it out as, as you go. And then what made you move from the company to starting up your own thing? What was that? Was it one big thing that happened or was it just sort of a subtle change and you realized you wanted to create your own thing? Was it the lifestyle? Yeah, it was definitely the lifestyle. The business is focused around around lifestyle, okay. around digital online lifestyle. And we can talk about remote base. I'm sure we'll talk about remote base. Anyway, the, for me, it was, I always knew that I wanted to do something for myself and I just didn't really know what it was. Part of this like, progressive, forward-thinking, open organizational culture that I was in was completely okay with that and and encouraged this and, and was supportive through the whole thing. I was able to like reduce my hours slowly. So I transitioned out of that role before going like full-time into my own thing. I went part-time with my employer and then, you know, focused more time on my own business and then and then went full throttle on my own business. It's kind of like, to be honest, I think that working for that business without working at that company, I never would have been able to go and set up my own thing. 
that company giving me the option and the freedom to work remotely is what led to me living this lifestyle. And then me living this lifestyle is what yeah. led to remote base. So the whole businesses are at is focused around helping people either start or continue on their digital nomad journey, whatever that looks like, whether it's selling everything and going crazy or, um, you know, slowly transitioning. So we find and curate and share all of the best long stay accommodation deals. So when you book for a month or longer, you might get a crazy discount, like 50, 60, 70% off. And we basically find all of those and share them with an email newsletter. So it started out as a free newsletter that went every month. Now we send it twice a month. And there's also a premium plan where people can say like, I'm Lydia, I want to see studio apartments in Europe for less than 800 euros. Or, you know, I'm Chris and I want to see two bedroom apartments in Latin America. And I'm willing to spend $1,200. And then when you say your preferences, you just get all of the deals that we find that match those preferences. So yeah, it's very, very tied to digital nomad lifestyle. And yeah. I don't think there's any way that I would have arrived at this uh, without that process of living the lifestyle myself. So I'm super grateful for that. Yeah. And I always think like, what would happen if I didn't take that job? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Where would you be? Yeah, it's always a, a good question that, hmm, where, where would I be right now? So with um, re Remote Base, was one of the reasons that you set it up was because you found that you were looking for these accommodations and there wasn't a platform or a newsletter or anything bringing it all together for you? Did you feel like there was a gap in the market for something like this and you were just going off experience that you wanted something that had these discounts specifically for digital nomad and long stays? So <laughs> it sounds really terrible, but it, I think it was actually a lot more selfish. <laughs> the reason that it, that it was way less deliberate and way more selfish. Like I was finding these deals and I just had them in a list that sat, like I just had them in a ah. Google Drive list for me. Yeah. And then it got to the point where I was like, okay, there's now more deals in the list than I can physically go and like I can't book all of these places yeah so it was kind of like well now that now that I can't have them maybe somebody else will be interested in them um and at the time you know this is like 2000 and uh, like early 2019 was when this was happening and I was in so mm. this is you know this is pre-pandemic this is pre-remote work explosion so there was really a few there was a handful of places online like slack communities and and Facebook groups stuff like that there was only really a handful of of what there is today, like a fraction of what there is today. And I was in these groups. So I was just like, hey, I've got this list. Like, are people interested in in having access to these kinds of deals? And it turns out they were. And then the next step was like, don't just share the list because if you share the list, it's kind of junk. Like the deals are good for only for a finite period of time. Like once the date for the check-in date yeah. passes, it's like a dud deal. The pricing can change day to day because all of these platforms use algorithms to do their pricing. Um, or it might get booked or the host might even just take the listing off Airbnb or you know, wherever they're listing it, these things get taken down. So then it became about like continuing to find more deals that were fresh and relevant and available. And that was kind of how, how it started. Um, and it wasn't a big commitment at the time because it was only 
being sent once a month. So it, it was just something that I was doing for free out in my own hours to kind of give back to other people who were working remotely or already doing nomad life. And it was really just a mm. fun project. I think I, I already knew very early on, like what the eventual goal would be, but I was not looking at the growth that it did have eventually early. I still think the growth is very slow when you compare it to like, I know you hear about like Instagram threads or something and it's like, you know, 2 million, 2 million users a second when they, when they launch it or something crazy. <laughs> um, obviously like it, it didn't grow like that, but I launched it and I just put it into some chat groups and like over a hundred people signed up to it. And I was like, that's crazy. This is like a, probably cause it was free as well. Um, that people were like, yeah, cool. And the growth just continued really organically. Like I, I never advertised it anywhere. It was always just through being in a place or speaking to people or it being in a, in a, in an online community that was engaged. And that eventually led to, well, now it's just over 4,000 people, um, and growing. So wow. we'll probably hit 5k definitely before Christmas, like definitely before the end of this year, we'll, we'll hit 5k, maybe more depending on some other plans, but. 5k is not a lot. It's not a huge, you know, when you look at in this world that we live in with influencers and everything else, a 5k audience is not a huge audience, but digital nomads is, is super niche. And it was, it was even more niche. Yeah. Then the pandemic happened and with remote work becoming a bigger deal for a lot of people, digital nomadism has become a lot more accessible. So the growth rate has increased some, and that was really what triggered me to be like cool, I can leave my job. So that was when I went, yeah. I was like, just after the pandemic that I went full-time on remote base. Obviously COVID happened, then lots of people started exploring the digital nomad life. How how did you find just the, the work and the time commitment and everything like that from 2019 to during, after COVID when I guess it really started sort of stepping up. Yeah, I, I actually, um, I took a bit of a break during the pandemic. Like I didn't want to be, it was just something that didn't sit right with me about promoting travel or advocating for travel in a time when like yeah. people's borders were closed or, you know, people couldn't leave their, leave their apartment, never mind leave their country. So that I, yeah. I just paused things throughout that. And then as borders started to reopen and the world kind of, re-emerged that was when i i like reopened the sign up and started sending emails again and there was just way more traffic and way more like interest out of nowhere and it still it wasn't it, to be honest it wasn't really unmanageable and i think it didn't get to the point where it was it was too much um too quickly oh it kind of came back up to full speed steadily and i think i was like mentally, like I had energy. I was prepared for that with energy, uh, because I, because yeah. I'd paused everything. I was, it felt like I was coming back to this like fresh thing again. Maybe I was still a bit drained from the whole pandemic, uh, experience, but, um, you know, that was like emotionally and, and energetically draining, but it was nice to yeah. be focusing on something that was felt positive again and felt like the world was back to you know, quote unquote normal. You've been a digital nomad for a while now. How has your approach changed to being a digital nomad? So when you first started, you were 
working for a company and then you gradually move to working for yourself creating your own thing has your approach to work and travel stayed the same has there been any challenges in that that you've come across this is like a i feel like this is a really hard question to answer because you don't it's like you know when when people do those fitness challenges and like they take a photo of themselves on day one and they take a photo every single day for like you know 365 (laughs) days when you look at day one and day 365 there's like this massive difference but that person is never going to notice the day-to-day change so i think that probably the way that i approach it has changed a lot but like because i'm Mm. because i'm in it i don't necessarily always not yeah i don't always see see the change when i think back i'm so much more willing to pay for convenience now i have been in airports in countries at ungodly hours where I don't speak the language and I've been trying to get a SIM card. Why? It, it's like, a, it's like, yeah. it's a pain. You th- it, feel, it feels like a good idea when I book it, but it's a painful <laughs> experience. Um, so now it's like, okay, well, this flight is like $50 more expensive, but when I arrive, it will be daylight or like the, if I need to get something in a store then the store will be open um stuff like that it's like i'm willing to pay for i think i'm a lot more willing to pay for that kind of convenience Mm -hmm. sim cards again like i do a lot of stuff on e-sims now because it's just way easier like if i arrive in a place and i can just toggle my phone off airplane mode and it works like that saves me saves me a lot of time like not it's not just the time to go and pick up the sim and like put it in the phone it's the time like researching the providers figuring out if you're there for an extended period it's like well how do i renew it you know you're doing all of this in an in yeah. most most of the time in another language um and maybe i can manage it in spanish but probably outside of that i'd be like you know i don't speak thai or i don't speak vietnamese yeah so it's way easier for me to just toggle it toggle it on i think the downside of that is maybe there's like nice wholesome interactions with local people that you might miss out on but you just have to invest the time that you gain back somewhere else and you can have also have wholesome experiences across the board you know you don't just have to be no you can't just interact with local people when you're doing admin you can do that anytime that's a really good point actually and something i'm figuring out because i think to back when i started it would be like oh just do the cheapest thing obviously but yeah, like you said, then you're in an airport for like seven hours in the middle of the night, everything's closed. And you're like, why didn't I just pay that extra £20 to get a flight in the day? <laughs> it's, a, it's a big thing that I'm definitely learning and changing my approach to now, which is good because, it, yeah, it's like, oh, I could save this money, but I'm... I know I'm going to be absolutely knackered the next day. And then that means I'm not going to work for a day or I'm not going to be able to do this. Whereas, yeah, if you're just to pay a bit more for the convenience, it actually saves you a lot, a lot of hassle as well. So that is a, that is a good one. <laughs> it's like this link, right, between this like three-way link between how we can spend our money, how we can spend our time. I feel like a lot of the reason that people want to do digital nomad life is because they want to do experiences. They want like, they want to yeah. experience things rather than have stuff or yeah. 
even if it's not that they want it, they might not want experiences over stuff. They might want stuff too, but they want to experience things. So I'm like, cool, do that. Like, don't pay. If, if I if I pay less or something, I might save some money, but I'm never going to get the time back. Um, so I don't know. I I think probably that's that's one of the things that's changed over time. Become more and more aware of the fact that. The ability, like the time I have to go and experience the things that I want to experience will continuously diminish. Like I'm never going to wake up one day. I might wake up one day and be like, cool, I have some more money. But I'm never going to wake up one day and be like, hey, I just got an extra day back of my life. Like that's never going to happen. It's definitely something I'm figuring out at the moment. It, it's becoming more and more important as I go, just the convenience and enjoying enjoying the time instead of being like oh well I'm sat in this airport of seven hours and now I'm annoyed at myself it's like oh I should have just paid the extra and then I could be I'd be enjoying enjoying it and I know we sort of spoke in there mentioned about like convenience and the highs and lows that sort of come along with it but it'd be great to talk more about the the realities of being a digital nomad your highs and lows that you've come across in your journey so far is there anything that stands out to you for a high and and a low highs is obviously the easier one to answer the highs just has to be like doing insane stuff i never thought i'd be doing yeah it's nuts it's actually crazy you know when you stop and think about what is what is possible it's like uh stuff that yeah. people would like for a lot of people, you know, they like they would give their right arm to do some of the things that digital nomads can just do. Like I would, I spent yeah. three weeks in Hawaii. Like I learned to surf in in Hawaii. <laughs> so good. I was like surfing on a on a beach in Bali on Christmas Day. I yeah. went scuba diving in the Caribbean on my thirtieth birthday. It's just like really things things that when I'm doing it, I'm not really probably probably less present than I should be. I probably try. I should be way more mm. appreciative. Like it probably makes me, maybe that's one of the lows. It just makes us really spoiled people. Um, because we, we get to experience yeah. loads of amazing stuff. And, and it's the kind of thing, some, some of it's like, some of it are the experiences that people would, it's like once in a lifetime experience for, for somebody just because of the way that we have chosen. I think that's an important thing to add here. It's like, you have to choose this life and the stuff that we give up by doing mm-hmm. this, by giving up some stuff, we get to access these amazing experiences that are like, for some people, once in a lifetime opportunities. We get to do them as and when we please purely because of the freedom of location. And mm-hmm. the stuff that we give up is like, I'm with family, a time with uh, friends at home. I really, really liked animals. I like, I grew up with, with animals and and I really, really miss like having animal company. Um, so that's something that's like, that's a constant choice for me to like, <clears throat> to not have a dog. And of course you, there's people who will be like, yeah, you can have a dog. Like you can be a digital nomad with a dog, but it's way, way more challenging. I know people who do it and they, they admit openly. Yes. That it's very, very difficult. It's a conscious choice. And so the highs are amazing because of the experiences. I'm trying to summarize now. The high, the experiences are the amazing highs, but, it's a choice that we make to do that. And that comes with lots of consequence, which is maybe what some of the lows are. Like not getting to spend as much time with family is definitely something that's, you know, I would love to be able to like pack up all of my friends and pack up all of my family, put them in my pocket and take them around the world with me. And it has, you know, experience all of these things with everybody. You know, you can't do that. 
and it would be a shame. It would almost be, it would almost be horrible if I decided not to go and experience these amazing things because of that. You have to kind of, I think mm. you have to choose yourself a little bit to go and do this stuff. When you mentioned sometimes you're in like this amazing experience and you may not be like a hundred percent present, I relate to that as well because it's. I don't want this to sound like, but it becomes your, it becomes your normal, like traveling and doing things just becomes the normal life, which is amazing. But you do sometimes forget to be like, oh shit, like, wow, this is ridiculous because it, it just becomes your normal. And then I think that's sometimes why I struggle coming back home because I'm like, oh, like this is now, this now is not my normal. And it's very different to what my normal digital nomad life is. I think that's a bit of where I sort of struggle is at a low because it's so different. Like I love coming home. I love seeing the family. I love seeing the friends and, you know, doing all of that. But I think it is so different as at different ends of the scale. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. I think like what you're describing is like our own interpretation of everything that is everything that we that we're doing and that's around us. Like I guess that like yeah. scale of normality. But for me, there's this constant, there's this constant thing which is like outside of myself, which is like you get on a flight, you get on a you know, you, you get on a flight in a country where maybe flying isn't a common thing and you'll be you'll be going through this whole process that you go through because you fly regularly you know you're like in your little zone you're in your own little world but like the person next to you is like their first time on an airplane or it's their first time in an airport um yeah that, that kind of stuff like i think um yeah exposure to just exposure to the different variety of experience that people have in life that's something that I think helps like recalibrate appreciation for things. Even like if Definitely. you go into the, you know, even if you go somewhere, you spend, if you spend like three or four months in a place where you can't drink tap water, when you get to that next country where you can drink tap water, oh my God, does that feel like a good day? Um, you know, yeah. that's, that's, that's crazy. It's like little things like that, that I think keep you, keep you level and don't let all of these yeah. amazing experiences turn you into a monster yeah I would agree with that I think that's what I found especially when I was traveling last year it was the small things that made the biggest difference like I would be in a hotel and instead of just like a sheet they'd have a duvet and I'd be like this is the best day ever winning like this is great and it makes you really like appreciate the small things because it's either like it's a sense of normality or it reminds you of home or it could be anything but it doesn't have to be a massive expensive thing for you to appreciate it it could really be drinking water from a tap or it could be yeah i think it like causes a lot of reflection like it, it pro does. provides a great opportunity to reflect and yeah look inwards um yeah it's not all i think I don't know, Definitely. maybe uh, for a lot of people it's like maybe the early stages are all about like really exploring that like go wild um travel fast do as much stuff as you can all of that stuff and then eventually it's like wait a minute there, there becomes there's like a really pivotal point where you realize that you don't have to 
you don't have to move on to the next place in two weeks and you don't have to do everything that's you don't have to see it all in the two weeks that you're there because guess what you can come back I think it takes a bit of time to get your head around that especially when you're beginning because I think I've spoken to quite a few digital nomads now who have been doing it for a while and they're all at the sort of slow madding stage spending a few months here that here and there but when you when you start especially when I started I was like oh god I've got to take this off the list I've got to do this and time felt like it was running out and I don't know if that was because I had just started my own thing and I was like oh shit it's gonna crumble I have to do this now while I can kind of thing and it was just like pressure I was putting on myself but it seems like yeah at the beginning you're like you just feel like the time is running out and then as you slowly go and get your head around it and figure out what works for you you can just be like right I'm just gonna stay in this one place for three months and then if I don't do everything I can come back which is insane yeah and there's an important aspect to that which is like the, like the sustainability aspect of it not in terms of you know good for the planet sustainability but the sustainability of uh, you as an individual to continue experiencing the lifestyle that you're choosing to experience because if you go if you keep going if you, you know if you're going two weeks or one week in a location and you're absolutely hammering through all the stuff to do and you're trying to be online yeah. and you know either whether you're working for somebody else or you're working for yourself like that is so not sustainable like you are you are going to burn out uh and at that point mm-hmm. the only option then is to is to stay in one place for a, for a long time um so you kind of have to like you have to use that as your maybe that's like the stick you know if in in the kind of carrot and stick approach of motivating people maybe that that's the big stick like if i don't slow down if i don't choose to slow down then i'm gonna have to slow down eventually and that kind of helps you yeah. draw that draw at the time period but yeah, super interesting. I, I could talk about all this stuff all day. I know. I feel like I could as well. I could just natter on faces. I just find the whole thing so interesting. And just like travel itself is its, its whole thing. So what do you love most about being a digital nomad? You've done it for a few years now. You must be a fan. What are those things that stick out that you just love? I think just constant variety. Because I, I tend to operate on a cycle. So there's, there's always new countries in the mix, but there's a few kind of key places where we're just going to go back to the places that we know and love. Going out to Thailand uh, next week, like that's somewhere which is like a regular end of year destination when it starts to get cold and gray in Europe, Asia. And so yeah. it's nice to, I think my favorite thing is to be able to go somewhere that is very different to where I've just been, but feels familiar. So like, that's something, my favorite thing is, is like the familiarity that comes over time with the places that, that are so different because part of the magic, you know, the first time that you go to somewhere that is like some, some far flung place, or even, even, even if it's not far flung, it doesn't have to be far flung. I went to Ireland for the first time. I'm from the UK, went to Ireland for the first time last month and it's like the closest, it's the country that, we're, that I'm closest to and I've never been. And I, I got there and yeah. like, culturally, of course, there's like, there's a lot of like cultural and there's a lot of cultural proximity, but it was still different. And it was like, there were still mm. palpable differences that I was able to really soak up and enjoy. But it's nice to be able to have that feeling on repeat 
because I'll go to Thailand, it'll be familiar, but it's going to be so different to everywhere that I've been so far this year that it will, it will light me up and it will energize me. Um, mm. even though, even though I have that familiarity, so it's good. It's kind of like the enjoyment compounds over time because every time you go somewhere, you have more familiarity, but it's, you know, depending, maybe depending where you've been previously, it's different. And that gives you a little boost. When you say that it energizes you, and I can definitely relate to that as well. I know last year I went to, back to Thailand a few times. And the first time I was a bit like, okay, what? And then when I went back, because I spent like a month there and then dilly dallied and then went back again. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm feeling comfortable and feeling confident and you, I felt really energized and excited. You'd got past that sort of like, oh, kind of phase and you could just truly enjoy it, which is, which is brilliant. And do you have any advice for a budding digital nomad? I have lots. Um, that could be a whole podcast episode. Obviously, uh, the first thing, the first piece of advice is to go and sign up to the free remote based newsletter. No, I'm just kidding. Of course. I'm just kidding. Number one. I'm just kidding, but seriously. Um, no, I think. I swear, do it. Genuine, uh, genuine advice for me, like people ask me this a lot. For me, it's like, don't go anywhere until you know why you're going. Like, figure out why you want to do this. Well, like, Ooh, yeah, if you, if you can't say it, then you shouldn't do it. If you can't say specifically, like, I want to do this because, like, the reason shouldn't be, oh, just because, you know, why why not? I think, like, you should kind of look a little bit deeper there to be like, well, why? Not why not, but why? And that's a difficult one. And then I think if you are going to do it... That's really got me thinking because <laughs> I I think that's what I said, like, when... um. I went to Argentina, lots of people were like, why, why? And I was like, why not? And then that was like my initial response. And then it took me a while to sort of sit down with myself and actually unpack it. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a really good place to start instead of just being like, oh, ah, why not? Like actually really think about it yeah. because I think it deserves to be thought about, which is a really good point. So I think that's a great piece of advice. I'm glad, I'm glad you like it. I think yeah. most of the time, most of the time, everybody knows the answer, Like everybody has the answer in there. It's just about getting to the point where you're so conscious of it that you can actually articulate yeah. the words. And at that point, I think if you, if you go before you get there, if that makes sense, if you go before you can, before you can answer that question, you may be not going to get the best out of being wherever you choose to go. Um, mm. I think the minute, the minute you can say, you know, why you're going then you can go and get exactly what you want. You can kind of go and chase the thing that you want with a bit more, a bit in a bit more targeted way. Um, and even if that is like, yeah, just to go and be in a place you... where nothing is happening, it's like, cool. Don't go to a huge city then. Yeah, it just gives you a bit more direction. Mm. And I think then the second, the second thing that I, that I like to offer is go to somewhere familiar, you know, unless this completely contradicts with your, your why, don't go somewhere. Mm. You know, if you've never been to Asia, don't go and do three months in Bangkok as the first place that you go to. Like if you've been on family holidays to France or, you know, if you go to Germany every year on a holiday, go to Germany, go and be somewhere where you've already been 
uh, which is not exciting and or is you know can for a lot of people it feels less exciting or feels like it's more boring but my advice is to do yeah. this because if you do that if you go to a place let's say you go to paris and you've been to paris five six times before you've probably been to the eiffel tower you've probably you know you've seen all the you've seen the Champs-Élysées, you've seen all of these things which are the things to do and the things to see already so when you go you're not distracted as much by all of that and it doesn't pull you away from your ability to to work effectively and deliver but it also means that you can go a layer deeper and do more of like that you can visit like the small cafes or the the bookshops or whatever it is that you do that you want to do you can kind of go a layer down um in terms of like cultural integration and just have us i think it gives you the opportunity to have a slightly richer experience but that's just what I think. I think that's a really good shout as well, actually. Because like I was saying, when last year when I was traveling and I first started, I felt like I had to tick so much off the list. And it was because I'd never been to these places before. And I felt like, oh God, if I've if I not if I don't tick off the tourist attractions, have I even been to this place? Like it's sort of that approach where if you do go to start off a in a place that you've been to before and you have a general idea of how it works you're gonna go off the beaten path you're gonna find your rhythm with it and think into it a lot more than if you were just like a tourist um and that works really well if you are planning to stay for a longer period in a place or if your aim is to become more of a local that that plays really well into it there's another fun one which is like Go to a place and don't visit the thing to visit, you know, <laughs> like, uh, go, go to Rome, but like, don't see the Sistine Chapel, go to Barcelona and don't, yeah. don't even think about going to Scribe Familia, forget about it. You're not doing it. And like, if you can, if you can do this challenge of like, you go to Peru, but you're not doing Machu Picchu, like <laughs> imagine do it like the, the, the idea of this is laughable, like both like. Oh my God, imagine going to Barcelona and not seeing Sagrada Familia. Like, it's, la- it's laughable because these are just the things that are paired so tightly in people's minds. But actually, even if you don't do the challenge, just think about that as a challenge, as a concept and see what you think about it because you will, you might find that you, the, the process that you follow should kind of bring you to some realization. That is a good challenge. Something I'm going to think about because, yeah. I think it's a good point to go deeper with it. Figure out why you're why you're going to a place, and that will sort of make things clearer in your mind. Like a lot of different things. I think that's a really good shout. That's really good advice. I mean, it's got me thinking. I should charge for this kind of stuff. You should. <laughs> you definitely should. So let's wrap it up. I've definitely stolen a lot of your time, but it's been great. So the final question that I end every episode with is can you really have it all? Can you have a mixture, a good mixture, a good balance of business and pleasure? Confidently, yes. Nice. And do you feel like you have a balance at the moment? Um, it's never it's never constant. So mm. I think there are times where it's like absolutely optimized and then there are times where it isn't. Like uh, this week is... Um, you know, you said you're having a slow week, you're just arriving in this, in, or, or you're just arriving and like getting oriented. I'm about to leave 
So I'm having a very fast week and managing business while also managing, uh, you know, family and, and social lives and everything else on top of the, the travel admin of like, maybe this is different because it's the first time I've been back here for a very long time, but yeah, that's, that's where I am right now. So right now it doesn't feel like it's in that sweet spot, but it, I know it's possible. I know I'm confident that it's possible because I've, I've done it. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it's definitely possible. It's just like how you ebb and flow in and out of that sweet spot. Agree with that. It's, yeah, it's up and down, but overall, I think you can. And then what's next for you? I know you're going, heading off to Asia, but are there any other big plans? Any sneak peeks you can give us to Remote Bay? Sneak peeks for me, I'll be in Asia. I'll be in, I'll be in Chiang Mai for most of the rest of this year so i don't want to time stamp the, the episode because i don't know when you're going to release it but um <laughs> i'll be there until the end of 2023 and there might be there might be some i might be attending an event in malaysia um and i i don't want to disclose nice. too much that'll be happening hopefully fingers crossed and i will probably visit vietnam for the first time because i've never been to vietnam so if anybody has recommendations for Danang, then come and find me on LinkedIn or on Instagram. Or if you're subscribed to the newsletter, you can just hit reply and give me all of your Danang recommendations. Or if you're going to be in Chiang Mai or in Thailand, then you should also do that and say hello. And then sneak peek for the newsletter. Remote Base is going through a bit of a upgrade uh, as we speak. So literally this week, I'm trying to kind of finalize everything before I leave, but we just leveled up a lot of the systems so like i said there's like 4000 subscribers because it started as a bit of a project and a bit of a fun thing it started with lots of like really basic basic technology and lots of basic systems um so that's that's all had a bit of a revamp so there's going to be lots of new exciting things coming which will mean ultimately it will mean better deals more deals and crucially, more exclusive rates um, because the size of the community is really, really key for me to go and leverage exclusive rates with accommodation providers or platforms or, you know, boutique hotels or property managers or whatever, whoever it is that's providing the accommodation. The leverage that I have is directly linked to the size of the, the subscriber list. So if you get in, get on board, you, are kind of becoming a little soldier in this war on silly prices for digital nomad accommodation. You'll be helping bring special weights for yourself and also the whole community. So that's what's coming with the newsletter. And I'm, I'll be sure to share all the right links with you so that people can come and sign up to that. Yeah. If people are listening and they want to do the premium, then we can also do like discount code or something, special link so that people can get a discount to that if they're interested. Amazing. Well, that, that sounds super exciting. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Chris. I'll include all your links in the episode show notes. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you again very soon. Bye.